uh, we're on page uh, 543 in this version or 383 in the other version, the 84 edition. Psalm 1 in its entirety. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Well, I've made it today. Um, it wasn't looking good on Thursday night. I, I was on cooking duty and uh, managed to overcook the lamb shanks with a, with a crispy skin that... Uh, Seemed to get stuck in my throat. I ended up in casualty, but they, they assured me there was only a, a laceration in my throat, so I just needed to stop panicking. I like to get things sorted out before Sunday. Scott wasn't going to be happy if I just had a, a share time or something like that. <laughs> okay, now um, Steve Watt spoke well last week, and he began with a, a, uh, a nice song, Joan Osborne, One of Us. I'm going to lead in prayer and I'm going to start with something a little different. Let's come to our Lord in prayer. Let us pray. Uh, Lord, we do thank you for this time we share together. We thank you for your word which guides us in life. And we pray that these words would now settle into our hearts and that we'd enjoy them and benefit from them and for your glory. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll see if you can recognize this artist, if you can call him that. Some folks are born made to wave the flag. Oh, they're red, white, and blue. And when the band plays Hail to the Chief, oh, they point the cannon to, at you, Lord. It ain't me, it ain't me, I ain't no senator's son. It ain't me, it ain't me, I ain't no fortunate one. No, some folks are born silver spoon in hand, Lord, don't they help themselves. Oh, but when the taxman comes to the door, Lord, the house looks like rummage sale, yes. That's a little bit weird, but... It ain't me, it ain't me, I ain't no millionaire's son, no, it ain't me, it ain't me, I ain't no fortunate one. Now, who sang that? Which band? Yes, Alan? Creedence Clearwater Revival, splendid. And John Fogarty. So, as I said, Steve's chosen an artist that sang a nice song. This was a gravelly kind of rustic song. Joanne hates it when I play it. Uh, but what he's singing about there is... The fact that some people are well connected, some senators could get organised and make sure that their sons didn't go to the Vietnam War. And there was other people who were loaded, they were millionaires and they were doing so well they could pay people to organise them not to pay very much tax. And so John Fogarty singing about the fortunate ones, the sons who didn't have to go to war because of their well connected fathers, their senator fathers and those who did a bit better in life financially because they had millionaire fathers. They're the fortunate ones he sings about. Well, in this psalm, as we read about the blessed one, the blessed ones can also be translated as the fortunate ones. And so who are the fortunate ones? Who are the blessed ones? Well, they 
they could be senators' sons or millionaires' sons. I wouldn't know because I'm, I'm not the son of a senator nor a millionaire. Uh, I wouldn't know about that. But I must say, this psalm gives us a picture of who God thinks are the fortunate ones. Let's have a look at Psalm chapter 1. The first thing we learn about the fortunate ones or the blessed ones is that they're different from the wicked. Let's read verse 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. Three pictures are given of what the fortunate one is not like. This is negative modelling. This is what the fortunate one isn't like. Picture number one, walking. Here are the wicked. And the wicked could also be translated the faithless. They're a group that's walking together and they've got their own counsel. They've got their own ideas and their plans. And I'm sure you've heard some of those plans and ideas of the wicked over time. It's when people get together and start talking trash. They talk nonsense, plans to go and get wasted, to drink to get tr drunk, plans to take advantage of women, plans to go and buy and sell drugs, and plans to go stealing. When I was a bit younger, BK, that's before kids, life BK, uh, I played a bit of tennis down at the Port Macquarie Tennis Club and on one of the evenings I was chatting with one of the local lads as you do when in between games and he was boasting about a trip to France where he went to a restaurant and had to go to the restroom and of course I think he'd probably had a bit too much to drink anyway and we, when he went to go there he went to the wrong door. He opened up the door it seems to the cellar of some wine and so he was boasting to me oh wow all of this for me. I was looking at this label and that label and I put a bottle in this pocket and a bottle in that pocket. And this guy was boasting about the fact that because these things weren't bolted down and uh, he didn't think he was going to get caught, he was, he was boasting about stealing this wine from a restaurant. Well, he thought it was a great story, talking nonsense about stealing wine from a place. It's a, it's a real hoot, wasn't it? Well, I didn't actually, you know make the right noises so I think he went and talked to somebody else um, but, but the wicked have their plans don't they plans to go and lift things they have their counsel but God's fortunate one God's blessed one doesn't walk in that counsel they don't plan with them they don't take the advice of the wicked the second picture is somebody standing and this is what the the blessed one is not like the fortunate one doesn't stand in the way of sinners. And here the connotation of standing is, is the idea of taking a stand in a, in a particular way of life, participating in a way of life. There's a progression from the walking, maybe hearing some advice, to starting to stop and then take upon a life of moral failure and lawlessness. And these sinners uh, could also be translated as failures. They're not failures because they didn't do very well at their maths. They're not failures because they didn't make it onto the first team. They're failures because they failed to love God. That's the idea of their failure. 
And when they fail to follow the law, they adopt a different kind of lifestyle. It's a rotten one. And it's seen even at the highest levels of government. When we see the Independent Commission Against Corruption uh, charge people with wrongdoing. People who've broken the law and, and made a, a life out of it, even at the highest levels. And sadly, we've seen in the media Christian leaders who are caught up in a destructive lifestyle towards the young and the vulnerable. Well, God's blessed one, God's fortunate one, is not supposed to be standing in that kind of way, not participating in that way of life. There's a warning against it. And the third picture is of somebody sitting. The blessed one is not to be sitting among these people, nor does he sit in the seat of mockers. And this word seat, it's actually where we get the, the word session from. Our eldership is a session, it's a sitting and the company of that sitting uh, is, is a bunch of good guys trying to do some good things. But this sitting uh, is not a good one. It's not good company because the characters are dreadful. They're woeful. They're the worst. The idea of the sitting is also a home or a dwelling. And what we're given is the, the idea that these people are mockers or scorners. Now, the mockers uh, come up plenty of times in Proverbs in the wisdom literature, and this is a, a wisdom genre psalm. And these people are calculated. They've got their ideas, and they're very clear about them, and they've got no time for God's word. Thank you very much. So if you seek to give it to them, uh, it's the kind of people that Jesus talks about throwing pearls before swine. Don't do that. Don't give to dogs what is sacred, otherwise they'll trample them and then turn and tear you to pieces. That's the, that's the kind of people these are. They are hard and nasty. As one commentator puts it, here is the life of someone who expresses disdain for right living and seek to belittle and undermine those who want to be righteous. In the Proverbs, the mocker hates knowledge. He's proud. He insults and abuses those who seek to correct him. And we're told in chapter 22, verse 10, if you drive out the mocker, out goes strife. Quarrels and insults are ended. The mocker knows how to take power. He shames people. He puts out the eyes of those uh, who feel their conscience get the better of them. And he, and he does this to actually take the heat off his own shortcomings. He stirs up anger and strife. Who are our prisons filled with? Well, it's people who have a disdain for God's way of life and a devotion to an abusive way of life. There are some stories that can be recounted about the hardness of some people, um, but they have to deaden their own conscience first before they can give themselves to wickedness. This is the person that the, the psalmist is talking about. And we don't have to be locked up to be tempted to be capable of being hard, nasty and a mocker or a scorner. In our families, work, church and social clubs, people can be bullies, they can get nasty, they can grumble and point the finger and do it to shame in order to get power. And the mockers also threaten violence. Uh, one of my teachers took me aside as a younger man 
back in 1987, I think it was. Uh, I was having a, a difficult time with a kid who was nasty. I probably provoked him, but anyway, I was having a difficult time with that guy. Uh, and my teacher let me know that it wasn't just kids who threatened violence. Because apparently one unhappy parent had said to him in a country town school, this is what the parent said, we know who you are and we know where you live, up there on Snob Hill. And my teacher said to me, well, if that wasn't a threat, what is? You might be surprised to know he asked for a transfer out of that area. Uh, but the message from Psalm 1 today is that we're not to sit in the seat of those mockers. We're not to be like that. We might be capable of doing something nasty, but it shouldn't characterise our lives. Yeah, Christians shouldn't be those who are known as the scorners, the mockers, the nasty ones. Instead, God's fortunate ones are to be different from the wicked, those faithless ones, different from the sinners, the, the ones who fail to love the Lord, and different from the mockers and the scorners who fill our prisons because they do damage. In fact, the blessed ones or the fortunate ones should be those who are quite different. They delight in God's law, God's instruction, his word and God's way. That's what it says in verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. Well, this is the language of pleasure. Uh, delighting in something is finding enjoyment in it. And the, the fortunate one or the blessed one enjoys God's way. The word here for law is the word Torah. And it, in its general sense, it means instruction. It's God's instruction. It can refer to the first five books of the Bible in particular. But in a wisdom context like this psalm, it, it can refer to God's instruction to his people. In fact, it's, it, this is given to us at the very start of the book of Psalms, the Psalter. Uh, as people read through the Psalms, they're going to be delighting in God's instruction. And the message is that the fortunate one takes pleasure in God's way. He loves God's word. I think the verse that uh, Tara quoted at the start of singing reflected that idea too. This person understands God, life in the light of God's word. He meditates on it day and night. And there's the sense that it, this, this continues. It's a ceaseless activity. Jesus dwelt well on God's word. And when he was tempted by the devil, he could rebuff the devil, as he quoted from Deuteronomy. Paul meditated on God's word and had time in life only for things to be seen from God's perspective. Uh, this is what he wrote in 2 Corinthians 10. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Paul's thinking about life through the lens of God's word. And it's from that point of view he, he would critique and criticise uh, and demolish other substandard ways of viewing life. This is... This is the right way to look at life through the lens of God's word. And so the blessed person, they delight in God's instruction, in God's way, and, in, and they love God's word. 
What more can be said about this blessed person? Well, we see that they're steady in life in verse 3. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does, he prospers. Think about trips that you've taken into the country. Think about those areas where it seems a bit dry and yet you've seen the, the little valleys and gullies where there is a row of trees. In Broken Hill, you're going to get a Broken Hill story here. Uh, we go out there every second year because my wife's family's out there. I probably wouldn't go out there except for the fact my wife's family's out there, but I make the most of it. And uh, as we go out there, we go to a little hamlet called Silverton, just west of um, Broken Hill, and it's where they filmed Mad Max, for those of you who... Yeah. Anyway, uh, they, there's um, plenty of dry creek beds out there, but there's trees, solid trees, that grow in those creek beds. It's kind of impressive to see. You know, there's, it's like you're on the edge of the earth or something, you know, it's just dry, and... Um, if you crashed into one of those trees, the tree would win. Uh, so even though it's dry, they're, they're solid. Well, the psalmist is no doubt familiar with the solid trees in his neighbourhood, and he chooses that to best represent the life of the, the blessed ones, people who delight in God's instruction, in God's way. They're steadfast in the Lord. They're steady in life. And furthermore, they're described as flourishing which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither, whatever he does prospers. They're, they're still bearing fruit and their leaves aren't dropping off and need to be raked up because they're planted by the streams of water or the channels of water. And perhaps this is the way of saying, I think this is the, the right interpretation, by the way, where like this, the trees planted by the streams of water, the blessed person is planted by God's word. Life is naturally filled with many stresses and burdens and troubles. And yet the message here is that the person who's planted by uh, God's word, delighting in God's way, uh, even in the face of you know, all manner of troubles, adversity, complications in life, this person remains steadfast in the Lord. That's the image. And it seems that the language of whatever he does prospers. I take that, that he's, his godliness or her godliness, overflows into all manner of areas of their life. They're good by their firesides. They're good at work. They're good in times of celebration. They're good mothers or daughters. The, the, the godliness spills over into all areas of their life, someone whose life's geared to loving God's word and, and loving God's way. Well, the blessed ones, the fortunate ones, they are steadfast in the Lord. But it's quite the opposite for the wicked, if you turn to verse 4. Not so the wicked, not so. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Well, how are they like chaff? This brings me to the budgie story. <laughs> um, We'll come back to the tone of this a bit more, but I'll just give you a, a little breather. Um, when I was growing up, we had a family friend who had a budgie, but the budgie died. She told us that she looked into his cage and saw that there was still seed in his trough each day for the budgie to eat. <coughs> and so she didn't give him any more seed until he'd eaten the seed that was in his trough. 
because he hadn't finished that first lot off. And the next day she came and looked in the trough and the budgie still hadn't eaten its seed. So, well, you're not getting any more seed until you finish that lot off. Well, the budgie died. And it was later explained to her that that actually wasn't seed left in the trough, that was chaff. The seed has an endosperm and a germ and a bran on the outside and the budgie leaves behind the bran, the chaff. And so sadly, she effectively starved her budgie to death. And that's one of those sad, funny stories. It's sad for the budgie and it's funny because she was so crazy. <laughs> but um, let's get back to the point now. The chaff doesn't have a lot of nutritional value as the budgie knew only too well. And the farmers of the ancient world separated the chaff from the good grain, tossing it into the air and letting the stalk and all the rubbish fly away while they kept the good things. How is it that the wicked are like the chaff? Well, they are swept away. That's what, that's what you throw out. That's, it just gets swept away by the wind. And so the fate of the wicked is like that. They're not like that tree planted and is solid. The wicked ultimately are swept away. And we see more of this now. We've got to change the tone here. It's, it's, it is dreadful. Uh, verse 5, the, Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor the sinners in the assembly of the righteous. The language of standing is introduced in verse 1. It comes back here now. But this time it's the wicked who aren't going to be standing uh, with God's righteous. This language of the assembly might refer to the gate where the elders met and exercised a judicial role over the people of Israel. There's an assembly of the righteous there. Those are the people who aren't perfect but love the Lord. And here the, um, the wicked or the faithless, the sinners or those who failed to love God wouldn't be part of those communities. But this is also language do that does speak about the end as well. The Bible affirms that there is a... Uh, a judgment day there is a day of the Lord to come and Jesus talks about that day and a separation in Matthew chapter 25 verse 31 he says when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats He'll put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. There is the language of two ways to live, you know, love God and live his way and the consequences are get right with God and enjoy him forever or reject God and don't submit to him and face his wrath and judgment. And yet in the midst of all this um, language about being swept away uh, and, not, and the wicked not standing, we've got to remember that these things are written down as warnings for us. As we lift the lid and look at the life of the wicked and say, that's horrid, we're invited to see a, a different kind of life, a better life, a life that God wants us to live. We're invited to see that this is a hopeless life lived in rebellion against God. And realise instead that the truly blessed life, the fortunate life, is the one that lives according to God's word, where one loves God's way. And God knows 
how we live. God knows us. That's what we see in verse 6. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. God knows his people. He knows his righteous ones. They're righteous not because they're so much better than the next person. Righteousness in Hebrew has got to do with faithfulness in relationship. And if we're in right relationship with God, it's because we've already been united by faith to Jesus. He was the truly righteous one. And he's our substitute. He bears our sin. This is the message of Paul to Titus. He says, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness. So it's not, we're not the common thread here. Jesus is the righteous one. But according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Saviour, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Jesus was ultimately righteous on our behalf. He laid down his life for us as a willing sacrifice and was risen again and is the one who pours out God's spirit, changes our hearts, brings us forgiveness and a new life with God. And the news from Psalm 1 is that God watches over his people and his people today are those who trust in his son. We might think of this as like a king who knows his subjects and he acknowledges them and he provides for them. God is that big king who knows us and watches over us. He works things out for the good of those who love him and that's how life is to be lived for God's fortunate ones the blessed ones living under God's hand the one who knows us cares for us and watches over us it's a comforting message isn't it as we live well the world might consider the fortunate ones those who've made it in a worldly sense or those who are the senator's sons or the millionaire's sons the world might think that the fortunate ones the blessed ones are those who are young healthy wealthy and supposedly wise but today this week uh, from Psalm 1 we're reminded that the blessed ones are the ones who don't walk in faithless ways they don't walk in wickedness they don't fail to love God and they're not characterized by a life of scorn and mockery that's not the uh, blessed life the blessed ones delight instead in God's word they love God's word and they think keep thinking about life from God's point of view and how to how to live God's way and the blessed ones are those who enjoy the fruit of Jesus's work the ultimate righteous one for for them and know that because of him we are in a right relationship with God and so it's from that position we enjoy God's kindness and goodness to us as we walk as his people so let us this week live as the truly fortunate ones, those who do love the Lord and delight in his way. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this word today, for these um, warnings which can remind us uh, not to live in ways that are rebellious and wicked. Lord, we do pray for you for the, the sins that we do commit against you and when we do fall short of our calling to live up to our, our lives as, as your children and the people of Jesus. We pray that we'd be among those who do truly love your word and seek to um, live your way. Would help us to see life through the lens of your word and to carry out your will. Lord, help us to be among those who are strengthened by it, 
over time and remain steadfast in you for a lifetime. And we give you thanks for, to for today uh, when we can encourage each other to do that very thing. We pray that you'd help us to do this for your glory and for your honour and we pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.